It's no surprise that updating the electricity grid today will make for a better tomorrow. Increased self-sufficiency is just one of the benefits. The Great Grid upgrade will also boost the economy and create new green jobs. And best of all, you can continue doing the things you love, like watching the latest epic nature documentary or listening to this podcast while caring for the planet too. Find out more at nationalgrid.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Christmas podcast. It's the last episode of the year. It's been a fantastic year of countryside adventures. But here I am in the studio, away from the cold, but warm, in the cosy with three of our podcast friends. Let me introduce them. We've got Patrick Galbraith, whose episode you heard last week, Hunting for Partridge. Patrick, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. It's nice to come in out of the cold. I think it's the coldest day we've had in a very long time. It's it's so reassuringly cold. How much snow? Did you have much snow down here? A little bit in Bristol. I live in Abergavenny where it's sort of it's like a pocket of it. it missed us, hit the hills, but missed us completely. The parks in London last, there was about five inches, I think. And despite it being Sunday night, the parks filled up with people who wanted to take the opportunity to, to get out. Well, there, I love so. that. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was sweet, actually. Like 11 o'clock on a Sunday night, everyone out building snowmen. Brilliant. Well, welcome. Kev, Kevin Parr is here. Kev, you've recorded several episodes this year. I have, and I've got snow in the... Have you? You're not yeah. going to do it down in Dorset? Not, no, one sort of little dusting, but but that was it. Really disappointing. It's very disappointing. Well, no. if this if this winter continues how it started, perhaps you will get some down there, and you can make your make your snowmen. And exactly. How many how many white Christmases have you have you had, Fergus? In your, oh, plenty, in, your several, in your time in Wales, yeah, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely in Wales. But it doesn't count. It doesn't seem to count nationally when it's Scotland, when it's Wales, Wales, or even yeah. the north of England. A regional white Christmas. It's sort of got to be in your part of the world, down the southeast, and then it's ticked off as a white Christmas. Anyway, our third guest is our producer because Jack, our normal producer, is off ill, and Hannah, our other regular contributor, is also away. 
But we've got Brittany, Brittany Colley. Yes, hello. hello. Thank you for having well, me. Thanks for stepping in. First time this side of the microphone for quite a while. This is brilliant. And you've got a particular connection to Countryfile, haven't you? I do. You tell everyone what it is. I can indeed. So my dad used to present Countryfile really? way back when. Yeah. Who was, who was that? Michael Colley. But... He was one of the before you were born. Yeah, I was thinking like Matt Baker, or you know, he's. I was thinking (laughs) Countryfile is older than you, Patrick. (laughs) How old is Countryfile? Thirty-two years old. Really? Wow. So, um, that's a very cool connection. It is quite cool and totally random as well. Well, that's because I came in from a podcasting side of um, uh, side of things, and actually, it's it's quite random that where I'm working is actually with Countryfile. Have you featured on Countryfile as a? No. I don't think so. I think this is my first time featuring on a country file. A country file. Yeah. This is good. Fa- following exciting. in the family footsteps. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Michael was Michael Colley was one of the first presenters. Is that right? Was he one of the, the initial team, or was he sort of part of the? No, I think he was part of. I might have to second wave. Quick, yeah. Quick googling. Find out. We're allowed to Google <laughs> live on the podcast. But we should, we will definitely get Michael and, and hear some of his stories. It'd be great to get him. How has the content evolved over the years? Oh my on goodness, Country we haven't got a long enough podcast. <laughs> we're going to stick to Christmas. In a word. In a word. Uh, it has become probably less. Intensive farming. Oh, really? Right and perhaps more about the whole countryside experience would be how I would, how I'd, if I'm in a nutshell. But John Craven's been there since the beginning, and he has, I think, sort of, yeah, from from then till now. So he's the ever present, mm-hmm. and perhaps perhaps quite ever present in my life. Perhaps yours. Oh, yours completely. Well. Yeah, news round. Um, I mean, as well with John Craven. He's around Swap Shop. These yeah, things. yeah, of course. Again, again. It's funny because Matt Baker, is it Matt Baker or Barker? Yeah, Matt Baker. Baker. I mean, he's been sort of present in my life through Blue Peter. He used to yeah, run home from school and me. watch Blue Peter. Oh, wow. Well, okay, well, he'd be delighted to know. So um, <laughs> that's, uh, Patrick, you are, well, you're the uh, fellow editor, editor of Shooting Times. I am, yeah. And you've got a book out, uh, which we talked about last week, the In Search of One Last Song. So uh, we'll have a little... Perhaps that profile. I know, mean, Kev, you've also got a book coming out. Yes, in well, it, about a week's time from this broadcast. Oh my goodness! So um, 5th of January. Be, yeah, so we're coming out. Although we're recording this before Christmas, this is going to drop into your audio inboxes in the betwixtmas. Yeah. What's so, the book? It's called The Quiet Moon. Um, which and it's um. I've I've mentioned it before, I think, but just a quick summation. It's kind of nature based, but with a sort of mental health edge and with a Celtic tinge, just where I sort of explored my local um, environment um, and became sort of more interested in the sort of anthropology, not just the nature side of it, because there's a lot of sort of uh, we've got hill fort just behind us, and there's a lot of Celtic. Wow. Influence on the landscape. So I which started, part of the which uh, West Dorset? I'm mean. wow. yeah, yeah, so in the hills, and um, so it just took a different level on and, and looking at the moons, using the moons um, as a kind of narrative thread, mm. um, and then trying to find out what the Celtic names for the moons might have been, which has been interesting. Quite a headache turned into quite a major <laughs> thread of the plot, but but it was really interesting. I wow. sort of learning about yeah, brilliant. So. Watch out for that. The Quiet Moon, published by uh, it's it's Flint Books and History Press. Lovely. Okay. Cool. Fifth of January. Patrick, you should reveal a little bit about your book. I know we talked about it last. Feels week. like so long ago. I can hardly remember what's in it now. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's 
In Search of One Last Song. In Search of One Last Song, Britain's Disappearing Birds and the People Trying to Save Them. It's um, very much about birds. Uh, Sorry, it's not very much about birds. It's it's very much about people and their interest in birds and a lot about sort of rural crafts and um, that sustain habitat. So things like reed cutting um, and coppicing. Um, And I went off to try and find um, these birds. And, you know, some of them, I think, will be will be gone um, on the current trajectory they're on within a couple of decades. So it felt to me important to try and do that. It's a great read. Mm. I look forward to reading yours, Kev. Uh, Britt, got any books that you'd like to plug while you're here? Not yet. Maybe maybe one day. It'll start off with this conversation. (laughs) Introduction. (laughs) Next Christmas. Well, I mean, the Christmas episode is a great opportunity just to actually meet up face to face with contributors with, and uh, and and absent friends. Annabelle, who would normally have joined us, mm. who regular listeners will know, Annabelle Ross, who has uh, helped helped me with so many podcasts over the last year. She's also ill. Everyone seems to be ill, so it's that sort of dark winter. We hope to bring a little light and joy. What this year though has brought you guys a bit of light and joy in the countryside? Is there anything that you? Uh, how about you, Britt? Let's start with you. Is there anything that you... Well, from a real um, sound perspective, which is quite um, yeah, nice. relevant. Yeah, well, I went out a couple of times to record sound escapes for this, in fact, podcast. And um, and obviously being in a very sound sphere myself, um, professionally, but also um, I love... I just found that I was learning a real appreciation for the sounds of the countryside and and specifically listening out for what works in a in a production capacity and and just being on holiday well the gower went to um the lake district lots of different places and suddenly going hold on no i know we're on a walk i know we've got somewhere to be but this sounds fantastic and so i found myself um in the gower next to rosilli for example, on um, a place called the Devil's Bridge, on um, I think it's called Worm's Head. Oh, Worm's Head, yes, yeah, I know. yeah. And um, and we ended up climbing. I don't recommend doing this, but climbing right to the edge of a cliff because I loved the sound of the echo of mm. the waves Ooh. coming in, and there were a load of seals below, and so it looked fantastic. But I was going, hold on, there's waves coming in over the pebbles, and you're hearing the echo because there's two rock faces next to each other, and actually that I've really learnt to. Um, love a lot more and appreciate so much mm. from just a the surroundings surroundings of being outside but then also trying to then recognize from like the rock faces what that how that then changes the sounds and so i found that immensely thrilling all year i'd, I'd say wow that's cool so do you do you find that you just when you're walking outside now you're just you're you're sort of thinking about those sounds I think so I think I've always been a bit like that in terms of um, listening for birdsong and just the real the more obvious parts of going for a walk and just the stillness and the sounds that come through and the difference between what a walk sounds like at night versus in the day and how the sound carries at night as well. And just, I've always been aware of those things, but actually from a um, kind of from a, from a content side of things, being a bit more, um, uh, a bit more in tune, if you bum bum, with um, just what is going on around me and what that's sounding like. And what people will, people and what, will appreciate. Yeah, it, but... that then it's, it's given me more of an appreciation, which I found really interesting. I think it's also fascinating how soundscapes change over time. Yeah. So mm. I went to see a sculptor in Orkney um, about a year ago and he was saying to me that when he goes back to Shetland which is where he's from mm. and he listens to the cliffs there the the kittiwakes to him are a sort of absent now whereas when he was young 
there was just you know the the cliffs were alive with the the cry of kitty wakes, mm. which is really really fascinating. Oh, that's sad. This is this really is your sad. book coming through again. This is <laughs> lost. Well, there, this was, there was a there's a, a poet I spoke to for the book, and she said to me, uh, a lady called Katrina Porteous, that to, to her, good poetry starts with listening, which mm. I think is a really interesting thing. And so often we look and focus on looking, but we don't listen to the same extent. Mm. Wow. Well. Keep listening to our sound escapes, everyone. That's, <laughs> we we try and find those from around around the country and trying to explore exactly what mm. you were. You must do more, um, Patrick. What about you? How's this year? What's what's what would you look back on as? I mean, you've written the book. You've yeah, published the book. That's, that's true. Cool, but um, is there any sort of particular experience out the countryside or thing that's happened that has? Well, I think funnily enough that I'm I'm working currently on a, a sort of art installation that that's to do with recording sound and and recreating a chapter from the book, which was really interesting. So a lot of recording sound in kind of um, we were spent a lot of time in Rochdale recording sound along a canal, and that was fascinating. So like the sound of locks and so on. But to me, until actually some people tried to steal our recording equipment when we were there, I found myself as the sun came up running along the canal in Rochdale. It's quite. Um, thrilling experience but also a year of bird flu i think has been a has been a massive thing this year so you know for everybody really it's been a really tragic thing and quite a sort of post-apocalyptic thing and i certainly think that within the the shooting world people are thinking about the way they do things um and sort of stocking densities and you know didn't used to be the case that people imported birds when they were shooting they would very often be rearing their own birds um just before I got here, I was reading a piece by the chairman of the National Gamekeepers Organization, or rather the, the former chairman of the National Gamekeepers Organization, and he was saying he thinks we're going to see people going back to um, doing what people used to do in terms of having a, a stock of their own birds, which is which is really fascinating. I think a lot of people don't know that birds are imported. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's something which... Um... Might that mean a kind of return to grey partridges, or are they not as good to or as easy to rear well people with gray partridges traditionally didn't rear their own so right. they did that with pheasants anybody who's been watching lady chatterley's lover um there's a new lady chatterley's lover that looks like a very a very sexy adaptation of lady chatterley's lover I'm not <laughs> they, i'm not watching it myself <laughs> yeah yeah but this one particularly um <laughs> right okay which channel's that on <laughs> <laughs> what, what time <laughs> um, no but um um, so grey partridges were were sort of a natural wild bird, um, mm. as as those of you who listen to the, the podcast episode I did with Fergus will know. So I th I think they've done badly because of the mass release of red legs. Yes. So it might be the case that you know I was on a on a shoot a couple of weeks ago in Norfolk and there were wild greys there, but there were lots and lots of reared red legs. And you know if if it was the case next year that they couldn't get the birds for whatever reason, and this year people struggled to get the birds because of bird flu in Europe, then uh, yeah people might go back to smaller bags and wild birds which I think lots of people including myself would think was a very good thing yeah less pressure on the countryside perhaps from releasing quite so many birds and great partridges delicious delicious is it, uh, yeah okay well, we're, we're they're handsome birds as well I like I do like oh them. yeah they're amazing they're, very, they're so and just they're cool um, yeah and they're yeah. such the, the cocks are such pugnacious little birds which I think is, is a really charming I'll ask you to do the call one more time thing it's a really hot there's sort of scratchy cutting call as they fly away I, I'm not a uh, I, I can't remember what did they call those people who used to be able to whistle like nightingales and so on Oh gosh, there is a word. Yeah, I've got a. I've got a. Well, listeners will have heard me using the nightingale whistle. Oh really? Uh, that uh, Hannah bought me for my birthday, which uh, you fill with water and you blow through. Really? It. I made a really ineffective. Uh, <laughs> I didn't do it quite right, but uh, 
It did make some pretty noises. Kev, how about you? Um, Moments of it's been it's actually talking about nightingales, and I missed the nightingales this year. There's only one or two pairs left at Orner's Gorse, and the night I went up was a bitterly cold night in May. We had some really chilly evenings, and um, and I timed it to coincide with um, silage cut in the, in the next door field. So you couldn't hear much. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that's bad luck. So that was a disappointment. But otherwise, this year's been, uh, as uh, yeah, as Patrick's saying about avian flu, flu that's that's like a, a spectre hanging over everything, isn't it? It's quite quite a worry. And chatting to a friend um, in Southampton who I think a couple of days ago, he was um, he knows the peregrines quite well. And there's a, there's a pair that nest on the building by his workplace. And... He got to work and someone was cradling the male. Um, oh no! Yeah, it, it, even the even the raptors get birth and and that's well. and okay. the, the vet who came and and um, put it to sleep said that's the fourth pair. Really, in wow. Southampton. So it's even taking out taking out the well, whole Well, buzzards, food chain. it's meant to hit quite hard. Mm. Interestingly, it seems to hit pheasants a lot harder than it's hitting partridges, which is that's which is a strange thing. And somebody was saying to me they think it's maybe because pheasants roost in quite close proximity, whereas partridges tend to be out in the open. So yeah. Which, you know, it's all sorts of people have all sorts of theories, but, you know, it's an interesting one to add to the yeah, theory. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I've been um, obviously looking for snakes, doing oh, some yes. fishing. Obviously. Ob- obviously. Obviously yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for snakes. Um, Kev, Kev's our chief adder hunter. <laughs> I've, found, uh, and I've had a really nice um, encounters with a melanistic uh, adder this year. That I found the black adder, the black adder. Really? adder. I found it quite early, and it was in a really. Um, well, you found it. Well, no, no, it's probably before, February, right, mid Feb. Okay, I found it, it. Yeah. and um, and it's been in the same little area all year, um, and it, it's so prominent. And I went one day, and it looked, I th- it looked like someone had you know, chucked a poo bag, dog poo bag. Really? Because okay. there's just this black. Is it shiny? Is it sh- yeah, yeah, I think yeah, I've been wow. passing a lot of black adders then. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Of, of, of South Wales, yeah. I mean, you don't want to pick Huge either of them up. Like. <laughs> do you get white? Do you get white adders? I've never seen one, but you do. Do you? Wow. Yeah, but they're much rarer because I think the I think the white is yeah, it's, it's a more of a, a well, they get odd anomaly by eaten by that's yeah. it. Yeah. What eats it? What 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 would he eat an adder? Um, Apart from mongoose, obviously. The, well, yeah, there's plenty of mongoose down in Dorset. Buzzards, wood, and um, and kestrels, and uh, I mean, on the ground you get pheasants. Actually, that's that's a bit of an issue. Yeah, that's really fascinating, isn't it? Which um, and I don't know how much research has been done into the impact of pheasants on reptiles, but I think it's something that will probably happen. I think at Essex University they were doing, there's a guy there called... Exeter. Exeter, Exeter, sorry. Sorry, I knew there was an E E and an X in it. A guy called Joa Madden, which is a wonderful name. He's he's starting to research quite a lot of that stuff. Yeah, there should should be some interesting findings. And I think, you know, if it just provides that balance, because I don't think we're going to... You know, it's that sort of balance between shooting and making it Mm. a benefit to wildlife. Because that's one of the big... Calls you know one of the big sort of claims of shooting is it's it's benefits to biodiversity yeah yeah which has you know there's a really strong case for that but it sort of falls away if if you have like billion millions mm. of birds yeah billions yeah. No, no, yes right if you have millions of birds I can edit that if you have millions of <laughs> birds um, 
it, it must have some sort of impact. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, definitely. You know, so there's, there's a happy balance to be made. I think, and ha- but habitat loss is the that's the key with for, adders for, for, for adders for and probably all reptiles. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But some are more grass snakes are a bit more pioneering. Yeah. Um, did did we ever? This is a, a silly question, but did we have snakes that we no longer have? Have there been um, possibly? I could get really boring here, but yeah, the, the es- Escalapian a boring podcast. <laughs> the Escalapian snake, and there's two little pockets of of um, snakes. One in London, one in North Wales. That are both, um, I think, the sort of is it Colwyn Bay? I think where the the sort of the zoo is in North Wales. There was an escape about forty years ago, and if you go into Regent's Park in London along the canal, you can mm. see es- Escalapian snakes. Really? There's a possibility that they were introduced here or a probability they were introduced by the by the romans because really? they took wow. them around i can i can tell you the story maybe quickly. you should have been on snakes after this but i'd quite like that i'll <laughs> tell you I'll, but I'll bore you the story quite quickly because it's quite nice because it's an odd name but um basically in ancient rome there was a plague and um and in desperation they called on the greek god of healing who is escalapius um and he came by boat, and as he went up the Tiber, he took the form of a snake and slithered onto land. And then the plague was, was uh, you know, was sorted. And um, so the Romans decided that this snake, which became known as the Escalapian snake, um, had healing properties. So wherever they sort of oh, took over new countries, they take these snakes and release them in the temples. And the main food of Escaping snakes is rodents. So, oh wow! So it's, there's a it sort would have of been helping. yeah, not with awesome. COVID though, I guess because this. Uh, <laughs> but the, if you look at um, you know the sort of the symbol of the sort of international Red Cross or or the whatever. There's a there's a snake wrapped around. Oh yeah, that's like yeah. pharmacies and stuff. That's yes, all yeah. the snake wrapped around. Yeah, and that's an Escalopian oh, snake. Wow. That's fascinating. So biting the rodents, they kept disease down. Yeah. We're, we're all, uh, I love always, that. I'll be boring people with that over Christmas. You'll never good, guess what. That is a good Christmas <laughs> anecdote, actually. <laughs> well, uh, as it is Christmas, I've, I've, got, I've got a happy, we've had some gloomy bird flu stuff, that, but it's, uh, I was, uh, my happiest, well, absolute best moment was that canal trip we did with Jack and Hannah, which will be a podcast coming out next year, where we just sat by the most it was the most glorious day sitting by an autumn canal catching little fish chatting and uh to, well i think i think we all agreed it was like it was a mental fantastic. health day yeah. for the podcast <laughs> team and eating i mean the food god hannah the sandwiches hannah made were yeah. unbelievable the recipe will be given away in that yeah in podcast. and and jack's brownies, jack's brownies. That's what i only got to eat on the way home as he sort of ran and and pass it. Sounds really, really tough being on the, uh, yeah, on the yeah. uh, country farm. It was really routine. <laughs> Cider was good as well. Well, since we're talking about food and drink, it might be an opportunity to <laughs> explain to you what this thing on the table is. It's a little Christmas present to you all from me. It is booze. It's homemade booze. Now, we've had homemade booze on the podcast before, which is quite successful. I'm less confident about this one, but it seemed like a good opportunity to, to dive in with this. I'm going to open it's a bottle of blackcurrant jam wine which i made this earlier this year one i made earlier god cork is disintegrating how how do you actually make what's the 
What's well, the process? I had loads of brief? jars of black currant jam, which just weren't getting eaten. So right, right. Already the fruit is mixed with sugar. Okay. So that's half the battle won. And then you just add various Throw other yeast things. in and yeah. Yeah, there's a few other things. <laughs> a cup of tea. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, well, I'm quite excited. Pop as the cork <laughs> came out there. Uh, I've got these lovely. Oh, dear. Can I, I just want to very, I've got a, I've got a, I've got a drive and I had two glasses of sherry at lunch. Okay, so. well, look, have a very small one. I've got a drive as well. So. I don't have to drive. So you, Nor do I. So the, I guess uh, it's, well, listen, we'll I'm, be sharing it then. I'm not confident about the colour. I mean, it's a really weird colour. It's you, like Ribena that's been left. Are you sure you haven't mixed up a sample you should have taken to the doctors? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, it's sort of autumnal um, blush, but it doesn't look like any wine. It's quite ever thick. Mm, a syrup. Yeah, mm. This is... Okay, so you be completely honest with this. <laughs> There's only five more bottles in existence. So, Patrick, there we Thank go. Thank you. Brit, grab a glass here. Um, firstly, what does it smell like? Because I've lost my sense of smell. Smells quite good. I mean, it smells like jam. Yeah, it, it does smell. Like smell. Jam. Yeah. Right. The, the main thing is, as long as it doesn't taste like vinegar. And it doesn't smell like vinegar. It smells. It smells whiny. Mm. Mm. Cheers. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. It's not vinegar yet, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's be. Mm. It's definitely in the same family as, as wine. wine. <laughs> <laughs> it might be a distant might cousin. be a distant relative. Yeah, I think that's okay. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. Mm. I mean, it's that's yeah. quite. That's I think that's the best I could hope for. I think that's okay think with a sort okay. of surprise mm. in your voice. Well, yeah, I mean, there's no nasty aftertaste. Mm. I think it, the smell really complements it. Like mm. actually, as a whole, I think if you could, maybe Fergus says you can't smell, you're you are actually getting a very different experience. Yeah. But it is very complimentary. And there's a little bit of fizz. I can just about guess it. Mm. A little bit of fizz. That's a bit weird because it's not supposed to be sparkling. Mm. I was going to say it smells more like prosecco than it does wine. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But then yeah. it tastes. Mm. It's, it, but it's like flat prosecco. When people give you a prosecco with a drop of sort of uh, cassis, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah, that's what this is. Yeah. There we go, ready mixed. Oh, thank you very much. Well, happy Christmas. Yeah. Patrick and Kev are pouring it down Cheers. the plug hole. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers. Oh, yes. Never. Cheers. Cheers. Happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Merry Christmas. Cheers. Well, great to have you here. Did you forage the for the jam originally or what's the Yeah, I, 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 of... then went to the jam hedge and uh and, and plucked it. No, it was um a friend had a huge glut of black currants and kindly gave me about ten jars. And I love blackcurrant jam. But yeah, I can't eat 10 yeah. jars of it. And uh, so I was going to say that's a positive this year. The the fruit, yeah, have yeah, just been unbelievable. Well, the heat was extraordinary. Yeah, you know, people. I met I met a man in Manchester who had had two uh, crops from his fig tree, and he was telling me he'd never had that before. Wow, goodness me, it has been ridiculous. I've got a freezer full of hard one, well, not even hard one, easy one, chestnuts. Yeah, black blackberries. And my mum and dad, they got an apricot tree up against the garage wall and they had over 100 apricots. Wow. And they are so nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So there's a blessing with heat waves and weird climate. Yeah. Climate change. Some sort of... uh, There's been a lot of blossom out this autumn as well when it shouldn't Mm. have been. Yeah. Mm. Oh, gosh. I try not to look at that. No, no. This nice cold slap, snap, we'll slap it back down. Of course, this wine's gone to my head. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Can't speak. 
Uh, well, we, yeah, we've 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 looked back. What about looking forward? What are you hoping for in 2023? We'll, we'll do a reverse order this time, Kev. Uh, looking forward to next year. I'm looking forward to um, gosh, your book, of course. My, like thank you, of, thank like, you. Yeah. All yeah. the listeners now it's, yeah. selling pre-orders, lots of copies, yeah. and and for the Signing. publisher to say we're going to do a second run and then. And then a third, and then the feature in various magazines. Shooting Times might carry it. They that might. Is true. Yeah. And they, they, might, they, they featured my book. They had a very positive review uh, to my book. Yeah. Yeah. How funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. You must know someone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that would be good. Might even get a royalty check. That might be, that would be, be good. quite yeah, a treat. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I think I quite like living with the seasons, fishing at certain times of year for certain species, and then just looking forward to to things happening. First Celandine is always an exciting moment. Um, first Adder of the Year is exciting. And then just waiting for the migrants. I just, um, yeah, I think that's that's a nice thing. So I just like to wait for it to come to me rather than go out too hard looking for Yeah, that's one of things. my problems is that I get so excited by spring, I go into a mad frenzy of trying to see everything trek across the land to hear a lesser spotted woodpecker get exhausted and by late spring I'm, I'm done with it <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah it's like your book in minute in sort of but done in three weeks um, yeah you know, trying to see one last one last cookie of course there's always another cookie but uh, Patrick what about you what's what's uh... I'm really I keep on trying to do my um, deer stalking certificate level one and I want to finally get it done next year because I would like to, um, I'd like to do more deer stalking. I'd like to do more muntjac stalking um, because muntjac are delicious, and I'm sure as you know, everybody knows they're quite destructive uh, to nightingale habitat and to sort of habitat of lots of birds. So I would like to, I'd like to. It's just also being. I don't know if you've ever stalked, but being out really early in the morning when the muntjac are out and the sun's coming up is just such a beautiful I time did, to I, be out. A month or so ago, I went out with a. With a store. Oh, yeah. I think you mentioned that was yeah, yeah. Record, and which, recorded for us. Yeah. Which yeah. might be interesting. Yeah, to... next autumn, I think probably. Yeah, well, maybe. Yeah, I think it's be but it, and it was. It was, and, and his passion and his, I think his care, the care he had for the deer, yeah, um, was just astonishing. And the, I think you know that really comes across well. It's sort of, you know, it's not something. I'd necessarily want to do, but equally, it was really nice to sort of share that sort of space. And also, love of trees. I think. I mean, I yeah. just came down from the Ardnamurchan Peninsula, and I was staying there with my uncle, who was very keen on stalking and was actually a professional stalker when he was young, was employed up there. And um, for him, really, it's about the trees. His love of yeah. trees, and he'd been out just before I came up because he's working on a new um, uh, sort of regen project with with oaks up there and they've got quite a few roe deer in there so they're trying to kind of clear them out and that night we were eating some of the roe that he'd shot there a month or so previously so it's it's a really I think that's one of the fascinating things with stalking it's just it gives you an understanding or, or really forces yes. you to have an understanding of, of the landscape in lots of different ways and and it's such an important thing on that score just to yeah. because there's nothing there to move the deer around and I tell Naturally. you, we, we did an interesting thing. We did a poll at Shooting Times on, because lots of people can't get turkeys this year, and we said, you know, if you had to have something else for Christmas, what would you have? And the options were pheasant, partridge, goose, and uh, muntjac deer. No, no, just venison. Sorry, it was less specific. And venison came out about 76%. 
Oh, really? really interesting. Wow. And you think, well, why, you know, why not then? Because it's you know. not expensive. I mean, I no. eat a lot of it yeah. locally because there's a various sort of game, well, stalkers and game dealers, and it's just not expensive for a haunch of venison. It's delicious. Mm. Britt, how about you? 2023? Well, a lot of adventure, I think, for me. I have recently got into trail running. And so a lot of my countryside um, experiencing at the moment is finding new runs, finding new routes. And I've um, signed up for an ultra run in May, um, which is in Exmoor, Exmoor National Park. Um, And I'll be running uh, through Linton and Limith and the Valley of the Rocks and hoping to see lots of Exmoor ponies. And but it, uh, for the in the training for that, I'm going to have to find a lot more routes in the southwest um, that are, that are very hilly. So I, my first um, big training run was in Cheddar, which Ooh. obviously and the climb up brutal. Then the 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 run down equally as brutal. So um, I'm really looking forward to the adventure side of things and how, the countryside. How long is an ultra run? Uh, it's 58 kilometers. What? So about oh thirty goodness. miles, I think that's right. Um, when do you like? How is that? Like five till five or six till six, or how does that actually? Well, work? so it'll start at about eight o'clock, right. and then essentially at that distance, as far as I'm aware, I'm aware I haven't done an ultra run before, mm. um, but it's more about actually covering the distance. So a lot of it will be walking, like I will not be running oh, right. up the hills. Okay, yeah. um, so I expect it'll probably take me about eight hours. Wow. Um, so the training has already started and I'm already quite scared, but I'm loving it. And I'm I found scared that. for you. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Really, I'm, I find it quite daunting even to think about that. Yeah. But I just, I found, so I did my first marathon this year and did a lot of the training on trail. And actually, therefore, I had quite a few friends who also did um, their first marathon this year. And they didn't love the training as much. And I think it's because I took it off road. And so the training for me was like this glorious excuse to go and be outside for four hours every Sunday, five hours every Sunday. And actually that then changed it. I feel like I had a different training experience from everybody else. So then I thought, right, I mean, half of it is how far can I go before I go? Nope, not worth it anymore. But actually the idea of getting back into it so much that every Sunday, a long run day, I'm actually outside for six hours and just covering distance and exploring the Southwest. And you um, love that? I love it. So far I do. Gosh, that's really, really <laughs> I don't know amazing. how many hours it will be um, on my feet before I'll go, no, hate it, not worth it. I don't want to do it anymore, which I'm hoping will be somewhere in between naught to um, 58 kilometers because it's quite intense. Very. So if I do one that's more, it's just that's where all my time is going. <laughs> is it right that running off road is better for you physically than? Well, it's the ground is softer, so it's yeah. better for your joints. But yeah. it's a different. It's a. It's almost a different sport. Oh, really? Because you need to be engaging your core much more. You need mm. to be much stronger. You need to do a lot more strength and conditioning. So essentially, yes. In terms of people always say, "Oh, running's bad for your knees," which is partially true. Um, but actually, as if we go right back to um, how. Uh, originally humans would run it's barefooted and it's not on tarmac so in a really simple answer yeah i think it is actually better for you Mm. however there are then because of the way humans have evolved there are a lot of problems with trail running as well and you just have to be getting strong at the same time yeah yeah that makes sense wow well, I'm really impressed. Thank You're you. full of revelations. We have to get you on regularly now. Oh, yeah, yeah, goodness. Yeah. Thank you. Jack. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, Jack, if you're listening, you've got some, you've got some hard work to do here. So. <laughs> Sorry, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, so, well, let us know what your plans are for 2023. We love to hear. We love to hear what you're up to. 
uh, anything about the podcast or anything about the countryside, do send in your thoughts and emails and tweets and Instagram messages. You can email me, editor at countryfile.com. And the very best email that we get each week, the very best message, we will select a book from the podcast library, possibly one of Patrick's books or possibly one of Kevin's books. And we'll send it out to, as I say, best of the week. Um, Look forward to that. Please do. Don't be shy. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal. So why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Um, Kev, I, I gather you've got, before we go, you've got something exciting to it's, share with us all. It's the uh, podcast Christmas quiz. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. Say that, say that again. It, it, it's the podcast Christmas yes! quiz. Yes. Excellent, <laughs> excellent. Last year, I I just wrote a list of, because I got the train up and I wrote a list of all the birds I saw from the train and then everyone had to stand up and then name a bird that would be on the list and then sit down when I got one wrong. But this year... I've, <laughs> it's a strange kind of party game. It was yeah. Good. It was good. This, this is proper. This is proper oh 20 questions. Wow. Okay. But they're multiple choice. Um, Fergus is going to be at a distinct advantage. Okay. Maybe but, I'll, um, I'll, I'll just... Can I... Yeah, we, we, everyone needs a, a, a piece of paper. Oh, do we need to... Yeah, yeah. okay. Um, if I can... And then the winner, there is a prize. It's um, It's... There is a prize to the winner. Not another bottle of Fergus's. Uh, yeah, no, it's two bottles. <laughs> <laughs> that second prize. It's about as underwhelming as a prize might be, but there's sentiment behind it. Okay, oh, wonderful. Wow. So it's a, surpri- a surprise prize. A surprise. Oh, a, yes. Okay, fine. Okay. But it's themed well, around... I don't think I should win, I th- I would, but I'll give it a go. Well, no, because everyone's got a chance, I think. Okay, good, and some good. of them are very easy. Okay. So we'll have to rattle through. Yeah. Uh, 20 okay. questions, yeah. Be, yeah. 20 questions. Um, A to D, it's all multiple choice. First question. The first round's all about this last series oh, on okay. the podcast. Well, I do have an advantage there. Yeah, that's good stuff. But <laughs> I know, Patrick, you've listened to them all. Yeah, all of, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so Annabelle went to Folk by the Oak and she saw the proclaimers. But from who or where did they hope to receive a letter in 1987? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Was okay. it A, Santa Claus, oh, yeah. B, America, C, Westeros, D, their beloved? Okay. 
Could you sing it? <laughs> when you go, will you send back a letter from Santa Claus? <laughs> uh, Fergus, question two. Fergus visited Handa Island to see the seabird colonies, but what seabird has the Latin name Puffinus Puffinus? Is it A, a Manx shearwater, B, a gannet, C, great skewer, D, puffin? It, it, it can't be that easy. A, Manx Shearwater, B, Gannet, C, Great Skewer, D, Puffin. Cool. Okay. Episode six in this series features Jenny Agutter, but in which 80s horror film did she star? A, Poltergeist, B, Hellraiser, C, American Wealth in London, D, A Nightmare on Elm Street. That's hard. That, I only know one of those. Yeah. <laughs> And I don't think it's that. I'll tell you what's a good film is uh, Walkabout, Jenny Agatha. Oh, that's, yes. yeah, that's fantastic. That's a really, really good film. <laughs> Very strange. Yeah. Uh, question four. Fergus joined Dominic Cousins in the New Forest to look for firecrests. But how much, on average, does an adult firecrest weigh in grams? A, 1.5. B, 5.5. C, 10.5. D27, which is an ounce. I'm so glad this is multiple choice. (laughs) (laughs) If it helps, they weigh the same as a 20p piece. That helps so much. Uh, James Fair visited Tyree to search for corn crates. Um, But what is the population of Tyree, which is in the Hebrides? Human population. The The human population. Human population, according to um, Wikipedia. Um, (laughs) A, it's uninhabited. B, 67, C, 285, D, 653. Annabelle visited River Cottage HQ and met Hugh Fernley Whittingstall. But what river flowed past the original River Cottage? Was it A, the Stour, B, the Brit, C, the Axe, or D, the Froom? The Brit, gosh, there we go. Spoiler alert, through. but that was my answer because I don't know the answer. But that's my name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is tough, actually, you know. The Stour, the Brit, the Axe, or the Froom. Hannibal and Taylor stripped naked to deliver the feather speech in which London Park? A. Bushy Park. B. Green Park. C. Regent's Park. D. Hyde Park. Question eight. If Hugh Fernley Whittingstall and Hannah Bourne Taylor were to separate and then marry and then keep a quadruple barreled surname, how many letters would be in their surname? Bourne Taylor Fernley Whittingstall. A, 31. B, 32. C, 33. D, 34. Question nine. Um, I visited Egerton Hill and spoke to Cameron and Charlotte Fakwasen about their campaign against out-of-controlled dogs. But what's the name of the cow after which the campaign is is named, which I think Fergus is the only one who's got any hope? Was it A, Gladys, B, Ermintrude, C, Daisy, D, Bonnie? Okay, mm, question 10. Fergus visited Anglesey to see Chuffs and Curlews. But which comedian was born on the island of Anglesey? Oh, there was a very good Radio 4 
series that he did recently. You're going to find out with a multiple. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Interesting. Um, a, Rod Gilbert. B, Victoria Wood. C, Dawn French. Or D, Benny Hill. Wow. So that was 10 questions already. That's 10 questions already. Should we just rattle through the rest? Yeah, yeah. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Yeah, let's do That's it. Great. Uh, okay, these are these are questions about the cover. Five questions about the covers of Country Farm magazine. Again, Fergus might have a slight advantage. <laughs> you do forget them. though when you're editing a magazine what the yeah, yeah, that's true. And obviously, it's not really about the magazine. But anyway, question one: the Christmas edition um, features Oxfordshire, which is the county of dreaming spires. But according to OxfordChurches.com, how many active churches are there in Oxfordshire? This is. I can't believe you even need the multiple choice for that. Come on, we all know this. Is it A, 96? I've got a massive advantage here. B, 297. C, 401. D, 583. But you can imagine someone like Oxfordshire having a few. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting to know how many vicars. There mm, are, you know, yeah. doing the probably yeah. fewer, yeah. Probably ten. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They'll all be full this Christmas. <laughs> Six of the first time. Yeah. First time this year, they're all full. Uh question two. Um the Rivers special featured a kingfisher on the cover, um, which is part of the family Alcedinidae. Yeah. Pronunciation probably not quite right. But how many species are there in that family worldwide? So how many how many kingfisher species are there in the world? Oh, oh interesting. Right. interesting. A seven, B forty five, C one hundred and fourteen, D one thousand and twenty seven. I mean, it's a big range there. <laughs> right. It'll be more. I bet it'll be more than you think. Uh, number three, the Jubilee special um, featured the River Thames, but how long is the Thames in miles? Oh, well, this is debatable because we've done a podcast on this. We measured it three times and got three different answers. Okay, well, uh, no, which is good because I've left a bit of a gap between them. Okay. So, again, this is according oh, to okay. Excellent. Excellent. Wikipedia. A, 215. B, 232. C, 256. D, 323. If you measure the furthest distance of the, of the longest tributary at the source, it is longer than the River Severn. Oh, really? Much longer. What's the longest river in seven. the UK? It's the seven. Seven, yeah. Seven, yeah. But the Thames viably is, yeah. It's interesting. It doesn't count, though. Yeah. Well, the, and, the, and the question master's answer is final. That's, that's, so yeah, the, um, the, you, the, the coast special. Well, I know, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, whatever you say, Kev. Uh, the coast special featured a rock formation on the coast of Dorset, which is known as the Old Something Rock. But are they the old William Rocks, the old Harry Rocks, the old Zara Rocks, or the old Beatrice Rocks? Uh, number five, uh, the Summer Escapes issue featured Glenfinnan Viaduct, which was used in the Harry Potter films. How many arches does it have? A17, B21, C25, or D38? Oh, I'm just picking a letter. Which we haven't had for a while. <laughs> <laughs> okay, round three, mega bonus points round. Oh, this is the last five questions. Yeah. Okay, okay, round three. So it's slightly different. Mega bonus points, okay. Yeah. RSPB Garden Birdwatch list last year, top 10 birds that were recorded in gardens in the UK. 
Just name one of those species. You get one point for a correct answer, but three points if no one else says the same answer. Oh, so we have just species. One species of the top 10 most common birds in the RSPB bird list. One point for a correct answer, three if no one else says the same. Okay. Um, there are six species of reptile native to the UK. Name one of them. You get one point for a correct answer, three if no one else says the same. Question three, and obviously we get you get listeners in the United States, so a slight American theme. Um, there are eight US states that begin with the letter M, M for mother. Name one. M for mother. Yeah, you get one point for a correct answer, three if no one else says the same. Question four. And a couple of questions now about Bristol because we're in Bristol. The Bristol Bridges Walk, in which you can cross every bridge that spans a waterway in Bristol without retracing your steps. It's 45 kilometres long. How many bridges are there? You get five. It's a number that's, it's a double figure number. So it's less than 100. More oh, we than have nine. to make a as closest to that. You get five points if you're exact, three if you're within five, and one if you're within 10. So pick a number between nine and 100. Between nine and 100? Yeah. It's quite a range, isn't it? It's quite a range. Yeah. In fact, it's, yeah, now I'm reading it, I'm thinking that's a real <laughs> stinky, stinky question. That's okay. We could all score. Someone could score very highly here. Yeah. And then finally, Bristol finished 10th in a survey by OPP. I don't know who they are. In a list of the 10 happiest cities to work in the UK, name any one of the other nine. Happy cities to work in. Okay. Okay, you're scoring yourselves. Okay, cool. Got to be, got to be honest. Yeah. Um, proclaimers. Who did they want to receive a letter from, or where? America. Yeah, B is correct. Uh, puffiness, puffiness is the Latin name for the Manx shearwater. <laughs> oh yes. Yes. What letter was that? A. Oh no, I did not get that. Oh, nice. Um, Jenny Agata featured in American Wolf in London. Oh, yes. Was that C? C. Three for, are you on three for three, folks? Three for three, yeah. <laughs> We have to do an arm wrestle if it's a draw. <laughs> in the traditional uh, exactly. rules of the Christmas. <laughs> well, it's a podcast. It would have to be a rap battle. No one can <laughs> oh, see yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. I hope I want it to be a draw. Spitting some bars about uh, chub Unless fishing. Brit's a secret rapper. Yeah, well, exactly. Well, I'm... Losing so far, so I'm safe. <laughs> but that final mega bonus points round. That's true. Um, a firecrest weighs on average 5.5 grams. Oh, yes. Was B. B. Yeah, yeah, still there. Oh, yeah. This is really, really tight. I can't take it. <laughs> Population of Tyree, 653. Oh, is it is D. Was it? Okay. What did you go? 285? Uh, yeah, I thought, no, I, thought we said, I think James said 300 in the podcast. Did he? Yeah. Interesting. Mm. So, okay, that's cool. One, one down. One yeah, I mean, Wikipedia could be wrong. Could be. Yes, that well-known, <coughs> reliable oh, source. No, it's so reliable. <laughs> um, uh, the river cottage, uh, the river that flowed past was the Brit. Oh, <gasps> what? Yeah. Did you get that? Yeah. yeah. Which so was annoying. me. I'm pleased about that. I went with the axe. I mean, sorry, I absolutely knew that answer. Oh, <laughs> the stour's right on the, uh, right, yeah. on the other side of the country, isn't it? Uh, there's a stour down there, isn't it? Oh, it's yeah, the other side, but it's, it's the, the other side, side of the county. Oh, yeah. I was thinking, you know. Uh, Hannibal Taylor 
did the Feathersip Beach in Hyde Park, which was D. Mm. Mm. Nice, got that. Got that. Anyone want to venture how many letters were in? I went 31. Uh, A, whatever A was. No, it's 33. What was that? C. C, yes. Well, when I counted it, I got 27. I only got 29. So I don't think that was right, but... I only got 29 when I counted What did you go for, Patrick? I went for 31. There's an E on the end of born. There's a, uh, an extra E in Fernley. Uh, but where? Well, after F- the R? F E A R. Yeah. N L E Y. Yeah, that's what I went. I clearly uh, just can't count. I wrote it yes. down correctly. I... Oh, I didn't include Fernley. Oh, right. I missed a whole word in you my count. Really sure. still got the, <laughs> I, I still can won. see. I can see, yeah. <laughs> um, the cow uh, was called Gladys. Oh, no. I've started to really, A. I'm afraid I, I did do that. Yeah. Having just edited that podcast. <laughs> uh, comedian born on Anglesey was Dawn French. Really? Wow. Did not know that. That is why. I, you must have to ask her parents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just yeah. Curious. Curious. There are five hundred and eighty-three uh churches active in Oxfordshire, which was D. D, yes. yes. Oh no, I went for two nine seven. Big county. 114 yeah. species of kingfisher in the world. Wow. Which is C. Gosh. Wow. wow. I went that's 45. brilliant. Yeah, I went 45 as well. Yeah, that's a lot of kingfishers. Mm. The River Thames, according to my sources, is 215 miles long, which is A. Think of that. The Old Harry Rocks. Oh, yes. Oh. B. Why are they called that? Uh, do you know, I don't know, and I've got lots of family in Swanage which overlooks the old Harry Rocks that I don't know, so I'll hang my head in shame. <laughs> mm. um, 21 arches uh, in the Glenfinnan Viaduct, which was B. Oh, I got that wrong. And then name a bird in the top 10 RSPB garden bird watch list, Brit. So I went for blue tip, oh, which I'm list. really hoping that no one else Did anyone on. else say that? No. No. Oh, yes. Three points. Fergus? Red. Not in the list. Oh, not in the top ten. Zero points. Oh, really? Disaster. Gosh. Ooh, interesting. Disaster. Paddy, I I went for a pretty obvious one. I hope it's in there. Uh, the wood pigeon. Correct. Three points. Oh, well um, what else? What else was in there? Just, just, hmm. just uh, house sparrow number one, and then blue tit, starling, wood pigeon, blackbird, robin, goldfinch, great tit, magpie, chaffinch. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. That is curious. But still not Jay. No, no, no. Is, I've written an article about that recently. What about really? the increase yeah, yeah, yeah. in jays? Mm. About about the bird watch at the numbers. So oh, really? I'm, you know, I just love because small birds are in it. They're the most common bird. I'd love, to, I'd love to know what the most like the crazy. You know, is there anyone who's there seen like a bittern in their garden? Well, people had a head hernia. Really? Yeah, but the mm. thing is, they've started not publicising the really rare ones because people people are going Twitter. Like, mm. Yeah, people yeah, make yeah. up stuff. Well, they, people yeah. don't. With the easy stuff, they can kind of go, yeah, you probably did see that. When yeah. someone says, I saw a blah, blah. Saw a crane. Yeah. yeah. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily. Saw so a nightingale in Inverness. You know, it's very yeah, hard to. Yeah. Yeah. Very Singing hard to... in February. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They, um, do, they do get all sorts of records. Six pieces of reptile, Fergus. Slow worm. Paddy. Well, yeah, I also wrote a slow worm. Oh, we each other I wrote grass snake, but then, then I decided oh, to, to, to yeah. I went for an adder. Yay! Oh, three I get it. To Brit. We could have, we could have done three for three if we if I'd stuck to my mm. yeah. A state beginning with M, Paddy. I went for uh, Missouri. Oh. <laughs> Did you hear that as yes. well? Oh wow! 
Massachusetts. Yeah, Brit has killed this round. What did you say you were from Missouri? Missouri, yeah, yeah. I went through all of them and said, Maryland, that's a little obvious, you know. Wow. So nine points you got from those three. Might have to learn a rap. That could just... Yeah, yeah, it's getting close. Crazy. Any one... There's 45 bridges. In, in oh. Bristol, yeah, crossing. Wow, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't if have. If you got anywhere near it, no, I've got thirty-four, oh. which I don't think is close no. enough. No. Twenty-seven. Do not get a point for being closest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you get? Uh, no, I went fourteen. Okay, so you get a point. I get one yeah. point. And a city that's also in the list of the top ten happiest cities well, to work. Manchester. Manchester's in there. Liverpool. Liverpool's in there. I went Brighton. Brighton's in there. Yeah, so we'll get three, three points, points each. Three points. I guess two quick turn. Oh. oh, only 15. So I'm like, uh, Britt, I think you've. Uh, that last round might have. 20. Oh. It's all down to Patrick. 15. It's a wrap off. Goodness. Silver, second. This is your massively underwhelming prize. Wow. Which you can open. So, I'll explain it. For the listeners who can't see this, it's an envelope. With a card. With a card. card, which I'm actually really struggling to get out. With a corn bunting on it. With a corn bunting. And a leaf. And a leaf inside. And that is a lucky leaf. A lucky leaf. Every autumn, I catch 12 leaves to bring luck for the following year. And I caught an extra one for luck. And I so that's the lucky leaf that will bring you luck for the whole year. That is year. lovely. I'm honoured. But as the winner, I feel like maybe I don't need luck. <laughs> well, <laughs> Maybe true. it should go to the leaf. <laughs> so no, but thank you. I'm very, very pleased. Is that third, a lucky leaf? leaf. It's 13th, but it does carry luck. It does carry luck. Uh, officially, yeah. officially. I mean, it, it looks lucky. It does. It, it does. does. It's lucky, a beach yeah. leaf. It's yellow and that's crunchy. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. Well, um, Britt, congratulations. <gasps> Thank you so much. That's Thank you. Oh, I can have applause. Beginner's I like luck. applause. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. bowing for yes. those who can't see. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. Um, brilliant. Thank you, Kev. Wonderful. No, that was that's uh, great fun. But um, thank you, everybody. Thank you, Patrick. Thank, thank you, you very much. Thank you, thank Britt, you. for stepping in. And thank you for being so marvellous. Um, and that's it from us for 2022. Have I hope you've had a fantastic Christmas. Have a brilliant New Year. And we'll be back on the 10th of January with our new season of Mindful Walks in Nature. So listen out for that. We've got some great guests. From these great guests in the studio, and from me and Britt and the podcast team, it's goodbye.